the Holy Gospel, according to St. Luke, the 13th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to Jesus, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, Go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day I must be on my way, because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you. And I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated and the children may come forward for a children's sermon. you know that there is a part of the gospel text, the text that I just read. Me too, but I was actually talking about something else. That's okay. That's okay. I like spring. But did you know that there's a part of the text that we just read and we sing it? Every once in a while here in church, every time we have communion, we sing it. Did you know that? No. Did you hear it? No. That's probably because I wasn't singing. I'm not going to sing to you now, but that part goes something like, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, or blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We sing that, and we're going to sing it again today. Blessed is the one who comes in your name, or the name of the Lord. Jesus said that the people who were saying no to him, no, we don't like the things you're doing, and no, we don't like being nice to one another, and no, we don't like loving one another, Jesus said the ones who said no to him would see him again. And they'll probably recognize him when they sing, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The first time they sang it, it was actually on Palm Sunday. Remember Palm Sunday like a year ago? We went, walked around the church, waved the palms, and sang Hosanna. That's the first time they did it. 
And shortly thereafter, they saw Jesus teaching and healing, but also dying on the cross. We sing it every time we have communion. And that's because we see Jesus doing those same things. If you pay attention to communion, you can see what Jesus is all about. I need a helper. Do you like to help? All right. Yes. So Finn is going to be our helper. And Finn is going to do all the actions of a pastor, okay, during communion. So can you stand right there? Mm -hmm. All right. Now, what's the first thing that happens during communion? We get the bread, right? So, uh, Cooper, would you like to be an usher? Claire, would you like to be an usher? Ava, would you like to be an usher? All right. That's kind of how it goes with adults too, isn't it? All right. So, pretend to give Finn the bread and the wine. Yeah. Your arms aren't that long. There you go. There you go. And Finn, you're going to put them on the table. There you go. And you're going to pour wine into the glass. Into the chalice. There you go. You're stronger than I am. It only took you two fingers. That's pretty good. Then we say a prayer, right? We say a prayer. How do I hold my arms? Something like this, right? So put your arms like this. There you go. And basically the prayer is, thank you, God. So you say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. There you go. And then we sing, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Can we all say that together? Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. There you go. Then I pray some more. So my hands are like this. And then there's that thing that I do with the bread and the wine. And this is the important part. We remember everything that Jesus did. And we take the bread. And how do I hold it? Do you remember? I do something like this. And I show it to everybody. There you go. And then I take the cup. I do the same thing, don't I? I show it to everybody. And it's kind of like, this is for you. This is all of yours. Now, when we pay attention at communion, that's telling us what Jesus does. Jesus is for everybody, right? And more than that, Jesus wants us to be for everybody too. And then what do we do with the bread? We set it down, we say some more prayers, and then does the bread stay all in one piece? No. So what do I do? I take the bread, and what do I do? Yep, break it apart. And that shows us something again. Jesus doesn't say, oh, I need to protect myself. Jesus says, I'm going to give myself away, and I'm going to make everything I do, everything I do, about what's good for you. So now, we're starting to think about other people, aren't we? And then what do we do? And we step down here, and we take bits of bread, and we give it to every single person here. And if you don't receive communion, we put a mark on your forehead like that, right? Mm-hmm. And then we take some of the wine, and we give it to every single person here. And if we don't do that, you still have that mark on your forehead, right? So literally everybody gets some of Jesus, right? Everybody gets some of the bread. Everybody gets some of the wine. And then we put it all back on the table, we say thank you one more time. That's what Jesus is about. Jesus is for everybody. 
Jesus gives Jesus' self away, and Jesus wants us to do the same. Jesus wants us to be for everybody. Jesus wants us to give what we have away and to teach one another to do the same. So today, when we have communion, I want you to pay attention. I want you to watch the bread. I want you to watch the wine. I might do as good a job as Finn. I might not. But when we do that, I want you to see Jesus giving himself away. I want you to see what we should do too. Does that make sense? Well, that's what they said at the first service too. That's okay. Years of Christian teaching have been written on this and not everybody gets it, so. That's okay. Watch the bread. Watch the bread. Should we say a prayer? Let us pray. Jesus, we are very thankful. We're thankful that when we take communion, we see you. We see you giving yourself away, and you, we see you loving us very much. Help us to give ourselves away, too. Help us to love others very much. And each week, bring us back to see you again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. of Jesus. Amen. How many of you heard or read through the news or other outlets um, the death, the needless death that happened at Christ Church in New Zealand this past week? For those of you who did hear about this and those of you who did not, there was Again, a senseless shooting of people. In this case, there is a group of Muslim individuals who were praying in worship, and they were simply killed. 49 or 50 is what I heard. And then we go through this motion that is just way too familiar where we grieve for people where we have to say why is this happening and we're left very uncomfortable without answers I think that this text today is in a similar moment. It's in a similar moment because in the same way that Jesus 
points to Jerusalem and simply notices the death that surrounds it. In the same way that Jesus points to Jerusalem and says, Herod, a fox, seeks my life, and Jerusalem too seeks it. We look at the world today in Christ Church New Zealand and across the world and look at this death and say it is here. Why is it here? Christ starts in an interesting place with this answer. Christ starts by looking at the death and where it's coming from. And he doesn't point to just one source. Christ begins by pointing towards Herod and towards the Pharisees that are trying to help Jesus out in scare quotes. Jesus also points towards Jerusalem and not in a way that says Jerusalem is about the Jewish people trying to blame Jesus, but Jerusalem as a whole. Jesus only says Jerusalem and doesn't signal people out. So that means Jerusalem, the Jewish folk. That means Jerusalem, the non-Jewish folk. That means Jerusalem, the people who are controlling them at the time, Rome. That means all of Jerusalem has a history of killing the ones who God sends. And so it creates this vision, doesn't it? God sends prophets to Jerusalem, and they're killed. God sends people with messages of love and forgiveness and mercy and righteousness to Jerusalem, and they're killed. God sends good things to Jerusalem, and they're killed. God sends good things, and they're killed. And that's where that moment seems very similar. Good things are dying People who bring peace are dying. People of faith and worship are dying. And we're left to ask why. What Jesus does next, and I believe it's verse 35, maybe 36. What Jesus does next in these verses makes me a little uncomfortable. But he says something like, see your town is left to you. Or see your city is left to you. Now I don't think that Jesus is giving up on these people. Nor do I think Jesus is giving up on us in this text, but there seems to be a certain amount of allowance here. This text is actually echoing back in chapter 10. And for all of you who are not reading the Gospel of Luke thoroughly every week, I'll remind you that in chapter 10, Jesus sends out 70 or 72 of the folks who are following, and he gives them instructions. He says, whenever you enter a town and they accept you, eat with them and drink with them, heal their sick, and cure their diseased. But whoever does not welcome you, shake the dust off your feet.
and tell them the kingdom of God has come near and leave. In some translations, shake the dust off your feet and tell them their town is left to them and the kingdom of God has come near. Now, if the text stopped here, and I was still asking why about this death that seems to follow the peace givers and the bearers of good news, then I would simply end in tears. God tries, and we don't accept, and then God leaves. But that's not where Jesus leaves it. Jesus points ahead into the story and says, You won't see me again until you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And here Jesus is pointing towards, yes, Palm Sunday, but also, yes, the days after, where we start to see the fullness of this ultimately culminating in the cross. Where we see Jesus nonetheless give himself away. And so, yes, there's a town full of people that would seek to kill the ones that bring peace, and God gives God's self away. And yes, there's a town full of people that reject these messages that would have us live together in mercy and forgiveness. And God gives God's self away. And yes, there is a moment where God withdraws from these people, not out of earshot, not so far as if God is no longer dwelling with them, but God draws far enough away to where the people get to live in the reality of their own actions. See what their hands bring. And in that understanding, God moves very close to say, I will give myself away for your sake and for the sake of the world because of what your hands have wrought. We can see in the world what happens when we are left to our own. We can see in the world what happens when we do not accept the fullness of this message. We can see in the world what happens when we do not live in the way of Christ. And I'm not talking about all of the world needs to confess Christ as Lord. If Christ wants to bring that, Christ will bring that. After all, the very stones will cry out should Jesus want that to happen. I'm talking about when we as the church, as the body of Christ, we Trinity and we the church universal, the church Catholic, as we used to say, when we the church universal reject this, the world does not know peace. The world does not know 
mercy. The world does not know forgiveness and graciousness and love. And so we stand and we see what happens in our rejection. I'm not saying that the prophets of Jerusalem were killed just so someone else could learn a lesson. No. The prophets of Jerusalem were killed because evil will not wait a moment to snuff out the life that God seeks to bring. And the people of Christ's church were not killed so that we might learn a lesson. No. The people of Christ's church were killed because evil will not wait a moment to snuff out the life that God seeks to bring. This is what it looks like without. Without God, without mercy, without love. So we pay attention. None of us are about to see the cross. But all of us are about to see what Christ did on the cross. None of us can go back in time, but all of us can be the ones that sing, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord and has Christ once again gather all to himself and say, look, this is what life should look like. Look, this is what life should look like. You give yourself away in mercy. And look, this is what life should look like. You break yourself on behalf of the ones around you. And look, this is what life should look like. You give yourself gently for everyone. Look, this is what life should look like. Self-sacrifice and unending love for all. So in the midst of a world full of death, look, this is what life should look like. This is who we are. Eat, drink, and share this same thing with the world. God be with you in this moment. Amen.